Hey everyone, this is Matt Wakeling and you're listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thanks so much for joining me for episode number 147. Now, 2020 has been a crazy year on so many levels, but one thing that uh, occurs this year is the 70th birthday of the Fender Telecaster. So in 1950, Leo Fender released The Broadcaster, which quickly re- was renamed the Tele after some legal complaints from Gretsch. But Fender released the guitar and it became the first commercially available solid body electric guitar. Now this was after a pretty tense arms race with Les Paul and some other competitors. But as we know, music and popular culture was forever changed. Now in episode number 121 of the podcast, I get stuck right into the history of the instrument with Ian Port and that's a great episode. So for a lot of information about that race for the first solid electric, check out that episode, there'll be a link in the notes. But for today, I'm joined by three diverse Telecaster Wranglers to discuss this iconic instrument, its strengths, its quirks, longevity, and its legacy. Dr. Zane Banks is a Sydney-based guitarist who blazes on his 50s reissue telly in the Banks Brothers. And the excerpts we hear in this um, podcast today are Zane playing hot-rodded rockabilly in his band Cruising Juices. It is face-melting stuff. So all the hot licks, that's Zane. Shane Dioro hosts the hugely popular YouTube channel In The Blues. As a gear reviewer, he has intimately played a legion of guitars, but his go-to axe is always a telly. And my third guest is Brian Wampler, who creates the world-class Wampler pedals seen on pedal boards all around the globe. He's not only a huge telly fan and player, Brian has worked with two of the world's most beloved telly players in Brad Paisley and Brett Mason to create their signature Wampler pedals. All right, let's jump straight into this telly celebration. First up, we've got Zane Banks. Dr. Zane Banks, welcome back to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thank you for having me. Great to have you back. Now, um, Telecasters, that's, uh, I thought this would be right up your, your alley, knowing you're one of uh, Australia's telemasters, in oh, thank you. my and many other opinions. Um, Zane, the telly turned 70 this year. Why do you think this, this design has endured for so long? I think in one word, it's sim- simplicity. It's just such a simple design. There's hardly any moving parts. And it really came out of like, you know, that mid-century post-war explosion where you've got like mm-hmm. the space race and all of the design, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright sort of doing all these things with architecture and all of the American cars that were being built and just sort of what we think of as modern living television and that stuff. The Telecaster came out of that boom. And... A lot of those other things, like the Saturn V rocket that took you know people to the moon, are very complicated. But a Telecaster is essentially just a plank of wood with like a baseball bat, and that's it. <laughs> it's very simple, and it works. And it really hasn't changed that much since. You know, it's it's very straightforward. Yeah, I mean, I say this all the time. I'll probably edit this out. I say this to anyone I talk to vintage guitars about. I'm I'm always knocked out how much the designs. Yeah, by 959, uh, how locked in the guitar designs were. Totally. To, for today, for what we're playing today still. 
And what's really interesting, like if you compare it to the cars of the age, you know, like I really like sort of 50s American cars. But if you look at, say, like a 1959 Cadillac Coupe de Ville, it's so the one with like the fins and the white wall tires. And then you go and look at like a 1989 Cadillac Coupe de Ville and it just looks like a Holden Commodore. It's gone yeah. from being this thing that's about, you know, like 180 feet long and six meters <laughs> wide and just looking like the embodiment of sort of like space age modernism. And then by the 80s, it just looks like a standard family suburban car. Whereas by the 80s, the Telecaster still looked like a Telecaster. Some guys put a Floyd Rose on it. The colors had changed, but they're just superficial things. Like the shape of it was the same. The headstock never really changed, unlike Strats mm-hmm. that had the sort of large headstocks. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they kept it pretty much what it was. Locked it in. What, what are some of the genius aspects of the design that appeal to you as a player? For me, it just feels right. So you know how there are like most people I know who are sort of serious guitar players, there'll be a guitar that just really resonates with their physicality, you know, Slash has a Les Paul, like it's his guitar. And I find that there's just something about the contours, the shape and the weight of a Telecaster, like it's just me. And that's not to say that I, I can't enjoy a Strat or a Les Paul or anything, but the minute I got a Telecaster when I was, I don't know, like 14 or something, I was like, yep, this is the guitar. So there's that that I think is really good. And as for the design, I like the fact that it's so straightforward. And I like that I find sometimes Les Pauls with the four sort of, you know, tone knobs and the volume knobs. And, you know, I've got glasses. My eyesight's not great. If I'm on stage and the lighting is a bit off, I can get confused, particularly if I'm singing, you know, looking down like, oh, I just turned my volume off. Didn't mean to do Mm -hmm. that. Whereas with a tele, like, I just know where everything is. You've got three pickup configurations. Most of the time, I'm just on the back pickup. I've got a tone knob that I don't muck around with much. I just roll it off slightly. And I have a volume. And I just like the fact it's it's like a standard sort of, you know, three-speed Ford pickup truck. Like, you can leave it in the paddock. <laughs> it, it just, it can copper beating. If it falls over on stage, I'm not precious. Whereas if my Les Paul's on stage, it's it's like I'm leaving a diamond necklace up there. Like, oh, right. don't touch it. You know, <laughs> it's got a through neck and it's got an angled headstock. Whereas a telly, it's like it's just bolted on. Like, it's fine. It's great, man. Well, are there, were there any shortcomings in the design? Um, I guess we'll start talking about your tellies in a moment. Mm. Are, are there any any areas where you've maybe mixed things up on your own instruments or? Look, I've, I've played a handful of tellies from about 50, 1950 through to 1955, and I haven't had any issues with them. I think the ones that they made in that sort of first five-year period, maybe up to, say, like 56, are just perfect. And a lot of that had to do with the materials that were being used, the build quality, and Fender just had such a small shop at the time. So, like, everything was hand-wound, amps, you know, point-to-point. These days, the quality of Fender guitars is still fantastic. But if you want that early 50s thing, you're looking at like master-built custom shop because of just the attention to detail. The thing that I found is just a comfort thing. Uh, If you look at a standard Telecaster bridge plate, it has what's called an ashtray bridge where there are walls on three sides. And I find that for chicken picking, which is what I do a lot of the time, the walls on the side, particularly on the side that would be like closest to my chin near the low E string, starts to dig into my palm. So I actually had it replaced and I've got what's called a non-ashtray bridge plate. 
So it's okay, a very, yeah. very minor thing. It doesn't affect the tone. It just means that when I put my the fleshy palm of my thumb on my right hand on the guitar, I don't sort of get this, you know, bit of metal sticking into it and just, it doesn't hurt. It's just irritating. Yeah, sure. So that's that's the main thing. The, like, I don't think the, there's nothing wrong with the pickups on those early Fenders because, you know, they're like hand-wound pickups. They're so hot. Like, I, I did a gig a couple of years ago and a friend brought down uh, a pair of 55 tellies, like original wow. ones. And it, it's just something about, I mean, you probably found it too with vintage guitars. There's just something about the materials and the way they were put together for electric guitars in the 50s and obviously like acoustic guitars in like the 30s that is sort of hard to replicate, you know, a certain je ne sais quoi, I suppose. And I find sometimes standard Fender stock pickups these days don't have that same oomph or the beef that I want to get. It can be a little bit thin, particularly on the back pickup. So that's why a lot of guys obviously replace them. They've got custom shop pickups or they'll go for like the hand wound option. And uh, that would be the only thing that I would want to test. If I was going to play like a standard Fender USA telly these days, it's the pickups more than anything else that I'd probably be checking out to see if I could get it as close to, I mean, my ideal telly is like a 53 telly, 53 butterscotch. I think that's the year that they kind of really worked out what was you know, what was needed in a Telecaster. Awesome, man. What's, um, tell me about your, your telly. Um, we spoke about that on, in our longer interview, but I, I see you with a, a 50 style telly on yeah. most of your gigs. I just have like a, a 50 style, like a, I think it's like a 52 custom shop Telecaster I've had for about, oh, six years now. And the only modifications that I've done, I think I've done three. The tuners I took off, because I find like, I play my Telecaster up to about like 80 hours a week and before COVID it was getting gigged and toured pretty hard and the tuners just you know kind of gave out they weren't holding so I replaced them with like Goto sort of vintage Klusen style tuners that have the you know the Jeff Beck kind of wheel that locks on the back the locking ones yeah yeah yep. and they're great but again like I might have to replace those because it's I've had them in there for a couple of years and there's just one or two sort of tuning pegs that's slipping slightly from just okay. being knocked over at a gig or colliding with an amp or being on an aeroplane I had the ashtray bridge plate replaced and yep. I've had my pickups replaced and I've put in Joe Barden, not to be confused with the uh, former vice president, Joe Biden, but uh, <laughs> Joe Barden um, signature model pickups uh, that were made for Danny Gatton, who's one of my favorite yeah. Telecaster players. And they're hot rails, which is quite interesting. A lot of people think, oh, you know, you've got hot rail pickups in a Telecaster. But the thing I love about them is they just sound in my, at least in my mind, the way a Telecaster should. There's, when you go on that back pickup, you want it to cut through and have that really bright Telecaster sound, but you don't want it to be like nails or anything, which sometimes mm-hmm. I find a Telecaster can be just too trebly. So it's got beef and low end, it's really high output, and it's super clean. You know, you could plug into a JCM 900 on 10, and it wouldn't harm at all. And I just love that about them. So I think I found my sort of ideal telecaster pickups unless of course i somehow miraculously end up with an original 1950s telecaster and then i would settle uh-huh. for those pickups okay <laughs> nice do you have any other tellies in your collection i have two i've got the one that i had when i was a kid which is a mexican nashville deluxe telecaster 
Okay, so which like is, the extra pickup. It's got the extra pickup. It's a fantastic guitar. And the reason I sort of swapped is I just played that so much. Like I must have put, I don't know, like 15,000 hours or something on that guitar. The frets had been replaced and then ground down and then replaced and ground down. And it just needed so much work for a guitar that was, I'm guessing, like $800, dollars Mm-hmm. That I thought, well, if I was going to spend like 450 US on the pickups that I was talking about, and then I was going to get another, you know, refret, and then I was going to look at replacing the bridge plate, it was going to be, you know, like $1,800 for that. So I just thought, look, I might as well just save up and then get my dream sort of butterscotch early 50s telly and then do those altercations. And so I've got, you know, the um, Nashville telly just as a backup and I play it from time to time. It it would still need a little bit of work if I was going to gig it, but it's perfectly good as a house guitar. And there's a lot of memories on that guitar as yeah, well. Yeah, I bet. That's cool. Nice. You mentioned um, Danny Gatton. Are there any other telly players who blew your mind? I would say probably the two biggest influences when it comes to like Telecaster players would be the immortal Danny Gatton, the humbler as he's known, and just Brent Mason. I think Brent Mason uh-huh. is such a phenomenal guitar player who plays a telecaster fan has just brought out a signature model of his telecaster that looks cool which i'm looking forward to i'm heading into fender on friday so hopefully there might be one down there that i can have a little bit of a play on nice but brent you know basically just created that modern country sound and isn't just limited to country playing he's a fantastic jazz player and western swing but listening to those two growing up particularly as a teenager is just Wow. You know, I went from listening to a lot of rock players and then I sort of got a Joe Pass record, a Danny Gatton record and a Brent Mason one and it kind of shaped the trajectory that I was on. Yeah, wow. That's a that's a nice trio of players right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a very linear kind of... Yeah, exactly. And, you know, between them, they kind of cover a very, very broad spectrum of like American popular music. I was last year Fender had a custom shop night that they were doing and uh, they got Jai and I to, I guess, do a showcase performance. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. We went down there and they had this whole convention center just set up with custom shop guitars and all of the dealers in the Australasian region were there and they were sort of placing orders and bidding on like one-off custom shops. Wow. So there would have been, I don't know, like 500 master-built custom shop guitars. It was like being in a candy store. Yeah. <laughs> and an entire wall was just the 70th anniversary Fender Telecaster and Broadcaster. They got the license from Gretsch to use Broadcaster again for oh, the first wow, time in 70 cool. years. And it was fantastic just going through and getting the rundown from the Fender guys. It was like, well, this is modeled on, you know, from March 1950 to april they did this spec and you could get them in different sort of relic stages and you know i brought my telecaster with me but i was like why would i play this when i could play any guitar here (laughs) and they're like you know ten thousand dollar ones so i just spent the entire time playing i'm going to play one set on this guitar and i get that one off and play it (laughs) so that was a 70th anniversary broadcaster which is fantastic yeah yeah and then I'm like, wow, oh, I really want to play the sort of master-built 1953 Telecaster, which is one of six guitars. I play a set on that. And it was fantastic. And just seeing the, the subtle differences, it's the only time I've ever had, I mean, replicas of, 
guitars covering like the entire spectrum of like the early 50s from up to I think about 55 56 and just feeling the difference in like oh like this one has a slightly thicker neck and this one's more of like a scooped out c shape and these pickups are a little bit hotter and the original um you know broadcasters I think only had two pickup options and they had like a bass cut so you'd have you know, the back pickup and then the middle selector on the Telecaster, I think was the neck pickup. And then if you went to what we would use as a neck pickup, that was like a bass boost for jazz playing. Okay. Okay. Wow. So it's really weird when you like switch all the way forward and it's like, it would be a tone cut. They're just, the tone cuts out completely on the guitar, but it was really, really interesting playing through all of those and seeing this guitar that at the time was really maligned. Like in 1950, when Leo took it to, uh, the NAM convention, he got slammed by all of the different merchants there who said like, it's only thing it's good for is a canoe paddle. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at the time you've got, you know, beautiful Gibson guitars and Gretsch guitars. And then the Telecaster, like it's the working class guitar. It's so simple. But at the time, I think if you'd been used to playing like an L5 or, you know, one of those big jazz boxes, people would have just gone like, what is this? It's yeah, ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and yet here we are, 70 years later, uh, celebrating this, this amazing guitar. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll see you in another 70 years. Yeah, man. We'll, uh, we'll do this again. <laughs> I reckon we'll still be playing them or someone will be. Our grandkids will be. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's become an icon now. Um, I think the, the Telecaster, the Strat and the Les Paul have really transcended just being guitars and they're up there with symbols of like American culture mm-hmm. as much as, you know, you would think of like Mickey Mouse or the Coca-Cola sign or any of those things that, you know, you think of as sort of post-war American sort of invention and entrepreneurs and the Telecaster is one of them. And it's certainly like the, one of the universal symbols of uh, country music, as much as, say, a Stetson hat. from In The Blues. Welcome to the Guitar Speak podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Mate, thank you for joining me. I, When I was putting together this Telecaster special, I thought of you because uh, uh, when I think of your channel, I'm, I mostly think of you wailing away on your uh, on your butterscotch telly. And uh, so I know you're familiar with the with the space we're talking about. Yeah, I, as I know that people can't see this, but I got three Telecasters behind me right now on the webcam. So yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of the tallies and yeah, I always like their simplicity and just yeah, the way they feel to play. To be honest, it's great. 
Great, man. So seven years on, why do you think the Telecaster design has still endured? And as you said, there's three different kind of flavours right behind you that I can see <laughs> as well, but they're all tellies. What, what's kept this design in, uh, in the player's focus for so long? I actually think they have a bit more character than a Strat overall. A lot of Strats tend to sound very similar to my ear. I've tried and owned many Strats over the years, and for some reason the Telecaster just has a completely different voicing, and there's less people, I think, playing tellies, especially in the blues scene, than playing Strats. So I hear Strats a lot, and then I hear Telecasters, and they really jump out of the mix. I think one of the reasons why they continue to do well is the fact that not only guys from country play them, but blues, you can, John Five, you know, the metal guys will yeah. play them and they just suit so many different styles and they've got so much attitude, especially on that bridge pickup. I know when I first heard a Telecaster, I always used to think of sort of nails down the chalkboard kind of thing, like on the bridge pickup. But then you realize, man, these things can totally rock. I know BB King played one before he went over to Gibson. I know some Led Zeppelin stuff was recorded, I think on uh, Telecasters yeah. back in the early days too. So yep. They can cover pretty much anything sonically, even though they probably have that country stigma, which isn't a bad thing anyway. But yeah, I, they do so much really, really well. They've got the best of the strat when it comes to that neck pickup. You can get the best of the funk tones in you know the middle position, both pickups, and then bridge can do whatever you want it to do. And that's one of the things I always loved about it. Get on that bridge pickup, throw on a bit of dirt, and it totally, totally rocks. <laughs> Yeah, man, absolutely, absolutely. What what are some of the what do you think are some of the genius uh, aspects of Leo Fender's design that that we still use today? I think it's just the simplicity, and that's what I love about it. I love the fact if I travel, I can unbolt the neck, throw it in my suitcase, get to where I'm going, bolt it back together, and it works. <laughs> you know, you don't have <laughs> yeah. to worry about it. And I've done that before too, which is pretty funny. But um, yeah, I just love its simplicity. It, you know, there's something I used to always hate that single coil buzz, but in the heat of the moment, it, it sort of helps, uh, not helps, but I think the tone of it, of that, um, the raunchiness of the tone just really stands out in the mix. And yeah, it's just something that I hear Telecasters do so well. They've got a steely overtone to them. And yeah, I've always just liked their vibe uh, when it comes to, you know, hearing them played live. But yeah, I just think it's that three... Oh, traditionally like a three-position toggle switch, two pickups, lots of different tones, and I think that's what's kept them going. And they look cool too. Plus, like I said before, they're more unique than just seeing another Strat on stage, in my opinion. Sure, sure. Were there any um, shortcomings in in that original design that you've addressed yourself in your own guitars or you've seen other manufacturers <laughs> yeah, yeah. try and uh, pull off? So the thing I, I like least about most Telecasters is their input jack. That's the first thing to get replaced <laughs> if it becomes loose. Yeah. Um, and I also think the buzz can be a problem, and some underwound pickups can also be a problem. So I've ended up changing. I've got one Telecaster. The way I purchased it was the way it stayed. Uh, one of my others, my 52 reissue, I've modded, and I've put like noiseless pickups in there because you know, there's venues that we used to play at that used to be unbearably buzzy. And uh, yeah, the Joe Bard and Danny Gatton pickups were just like the best of the single coil tone, but without the buzz. So for me, that was like, uh, that can be an upgrade that can make a huge difference to people too. I know Fender do noiseless pickups and all those type of things, but I've never actually owned a set in the Telecasters. But I think the biggest downsides of the Tele would be the buzz for some people, no doubt about it, that input jack is terrible. 
Um, also, the little black cap thing that sits on top of the switch, that's forever falling off. I've super glued all of mine on now because okay. I've lost them. It's just like, where did, they, where did it go? <laughs> like you, you just go over to bridge pickup and it's gone forever. Yeah. So, yeah, that. And also, I think for some people, the weight can be an issue too. Uh, with traditional sort of fender tallies at least anyway. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, that switch, it's funny seeing all the different solutions people have come up with over the years, like reversing the plate <laughs> yeah. or bending the, the switch or whatever. But, yeah, very cool. Could, you mentioned your your telly. So, um, yeah, like I said earlier, the, the, the main telly I associate you with is that butterscotch one with the Joe Bardens, um, which yeah. you've used on so many of your, your videos. It always sounds great. Um, Thanks, what, yeah, can you talk us through your telly collection? So that, that particular Telecaster I purchased when I did a, a trip over to San Francisco. I st- stayed there for probably two or three months at one point in the US and I was in San Fran for a couple of months and I needed a guitar and I found that and it was like the first time I really, really wanted a Telecaster. The only lefty I'd seen before that one that was in every shop was either, you know, a Squire one at the low end sort of budget guitar or you know, Mexican standard, which I, I didn't really, for a lefty, it was, there was only one type. It was always the sunburst one. I saw that it had a, a fatter neck than I was used to sort of playing and it sounded really nice. Like it was a pretty good guitar um, stock, but I played it to death and, I've, you know, I, the upgrades were out of necessity more than anything else. And um, the pickups, like I said before, the buzz was a bit uncontrollable where I was actually playing live. If I was playing at home, it would have been fine, but um, for the live stuff we were doing, I couldn't handle. It was a distraction, so that's why I changed the pickups. And sure. I played that guitar pretty much nonstop for about five years, and then ended up um, having to have the frets replaced as well. So over the years, I ended up modding it, and it's become this like weird, sort of like my number one tally in many ways. Uh, but it's it's really unique now, as opposed to just being an off the shelf model. I used to get a lot of complaints, people saying, oh, how come you've, you've butchered your Telecaster and put these hot rails in there? I'm like, they're not hot rails, man. They're super low output, yeah. noiseless pickups from, uh, you know, the Danny Gatton, uh, Joe Barden pickups. So, yeah, that guitar has been around the world. It's been used to death. It's been played to death. It's beat up. There's, It's all natural kind of relicking. And that's probably... I always say if I have to keep one, I'll keep that. It's got a bit of a sentimental attachment, but I love playing it too. Um, last, I think Boxing Day last year, I ended up purchasing uh, one of the American original Fender Telecasters, which is essentially visually the same thing, except it's got a, a really fat neck and the pickups sounded fantastic straight out of the box or whatever. Like the whole uh-huh. thing was great. That's the first time I've picked up a, a guitar in a while, at least anyway, where um, it played perfectly off the shelf. I've done nothing to it. It just, I took it home and it was, it was fantastic. And it was a point of difference to my, the one with the, the Joe Barden, Danny getting pickups, even though they look essentially the same, mm-hmm. it's great having a traditional single coil tally. And um, they're pretty much like the two, you know, Fender ones that I've got. Recently I had um, Kiesel, uh, they sent out a beautiful custom Telecaster T-style guitar that, ticked all the boxes in terms of what I like. And that Kiesel is loaded with the Johnny Highland pickups. Who He's one of my favorite players. Oh, wow. Um, just because Johnny Highland, man, he can do everything really, really well. And that's a non-traditional tally. It's a T-style, what they would call a Telecaster style electric guitar, but it has three pickups 
but it also allows you to get the neck and bridge combination or middle on its own, which oh, is okay. great. It's not wide like a strat. So Johnny Highland's got, I've had like three sets of his pickups over the last 20 years, but yeah, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah these pickups, man, they're, they're by far my favorite out of um, all of the ones of his that I've tried over the years. And that guitar is super light. It's just a beautiful white color. It just looks really cool. And yeah, being that it's about a third lighter than my Fender Telecasters, it's getting used a lot. Nice. And the last one is the uh, Vola Vasti, which is from a, um, a company I didn't know anything about until earlier this year. And they make great made in Japan electric guitars. And um, the Vasti has this like passive boost thing in the bridge. So m my rationale for having multiple guitars that are similar is that they're all different. Even if visually to the untrained eye, they all kind of look the same. They are, they, they're all different now, which is uh, something I, I don't try and just double up because of, I, I, I'll always pick one over the other. So, um, yeah, each of these is different and unique enough now to be used for different things. And today I used, well, I didn't use all three of the ones that you can see behind me. I know everyone else can't, but, um, yeah, I used two of them and yeah, it was, it was cool. They've nice. all got their own vibe and yeah, I can't complain. <laughs> Very cool, man. Yeah. That Vola looks awesome as well. Um, I, I only heard of these through your show. I think you mentioned them on your podcast. So I checked them out and they look great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. That first unboxing reaction video I did of one of their other guitars, I was stunned at how great they were. Those first reaction videos are legit. Like I unbox them sometimes on camera just to, you know, give people my first impressions, and they're up there with anything that's way, way more expensive. They're they're kind of like what used to be the deluxe series of guitars from Fender, okay. but made in Japan and attention to details, you know, they're beautiful instruments. They're just a little bit different visually too. So if you want a straight up Telecaster clone or, or Strat, Strat clone, they're not for you. But um, for folks who don't mind something that looks a little bit different, then you'll probably get a kick out of them. They've got more of a, I guess, a modern look to them. Yeah, yeah, very cool. You mentioned uh, Johnny Highland. Is there a, were there any other Tele players who, who uh, turned you onto the instrument or just excited you as a musician in general? Yeah, Brad Paisley, you know, like I, I don't, I got this dirty secret that I, I kind of like some of that commercial country music <laughs> <laughs> and, and I love like Southern rock and all that kind of stuff too. Yep. So there's plenty of players throughout, throughout that. But I think, you know, one of my good friends, Dr. Rick, who has been on my channel and we gig together for, I don't know, like eight years or something. He, he was right into Telecasters and that opened my mind to him more than any, you know, household name musician that or guys that are on my wall, like hearing him play one, I went, oh, now I kind of get it. And one of my other friends, Brian Strafford as well, who's like, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster guitar player. So I, I got a lot of much better players than me in my friend circle. And yeah, hearing them play tallies was, I think the initial inspiration for it. But I think my favorite tally tone and player for straight up sort of country stuff would be Brad Paisley. I, I, I love what he does. I mean, I know there's blues guys that play them as well, but um, yeah, that that kind of sound is pretty cool. He's got a great tone and great feel and yeah, just those country guys. I can't play like that or really do any of that kind of stuff, but I can still appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's a monster. He's a monster. Yeah, and, he uh, is. Um, yeah, uh, Brian Wampler is also in this uh, episode today and he's uh he's obviously worked cool. really closely with him as well so big fan so nice to see uh 
Yeah, Paisley get a couple of mentions. Funny you mentioned about the Joe Barden pickups. Um, Zane Banks, the Sydney guitarist who is also featured here, he's got Bardens in his um, 50s reissue telly. Um, oh, very cool. He said almost the same thing as you. People say, why have you got the, uh, the hot wires and um, um, the hot rails rather? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, same story. So, yeah. It's like no one knows who Danny Gatton is, you know? Like, it, it's like, just look at any video of him playing, or yeah. most videos of him playing back Absolutely. in the day, he's using them. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know Greg Cock also had similar style pickups in one of his guitars. I'm not sure if he used Joe Buttons or not from memory, but uh, there's another great Telecaster player. I mean, I know he plays a lot of other instruments now, but man. What a, what a freak. That guy's great. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Has, have you seen his Reverend signature? It's like an oversized yeah. telly because he's such a, a tall bloke. That's yeah, I met cool Greg a few years back. And oh, really? I, I'd, I'd also been lucky enough to meet a couple of the NBA legends from like uh, the Lakers back in the day and stuff. This was just by chance. But um, yeah, I was like, this Greg is huge. <laughs> you know, even next, even my recollection of some of those NBA guys, Greg is, he's got to be close to 6'10". Because I don't know how, how tall he actually is, but I remember just standing next to him. I'm like, far out, man. You don't look that big in the videos. <laughs> but yeah, he's a monster. He's a great player, great dude. And yeah, he's got just crazy great chops. And yeah, he's reverend guitar. I didn't realize it was larger. That That's kind of cool. Yeah, just a little bit, a little bit. Um, I, I played one earlier, no, last year, last year, yeah, and it felt really good. It, it didn't feel like like a giant guitar. It just felt felt good. Just sat yeah, nicely. cool. But yeah, great, great guitar. Hey, um, thanks, Shane, so much for talking tellies. Before you go, um, how's how's the channel going in the blues? It's um, you've been around for a long time. You got a lot of lot of respect in the uh, in the YouTube world. Yeah, it's been going a long time. I think. You know, it's it's still growing. Every month it's in the positive figures. It keeps hitting about between 1 million and 1.3 million views a month, which oh, is man. amazing for uh, a channel. I do everything myself pretty much apart from the, the live stream. So, yep. yeah, I'm pretty pretty happy it's had the longevity. I think it's every now and then I try to mix things up and, you know, I, might, I was too doing too many of one type of videos for a while. I'll switch it up and do something else for a while. So... Yeah, it's all about trying to keep keep it interesting for the viewers and keep it growing and changing and then revisiting old stuff just to keep, you know, the original people around still. So, yeah, I love it. I love what I do. It, uh, I wake up and I know exactly what I want to get done. Uh, and today was no exception. I, I, I woke up, I went, all right, I got to get this done today, this, this video I'm working on of something I really like. And, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a fun process not to um, sort of, be held accountable by any company or anything like that. I, I'm completely doing my own thing and it, it's, it's cool. I, I'm in a fortunate position uh, with what I do and I work hard at it. I work really hard at it. And I think people think um, YouTube stuff is easy, but I work way harder now than I ever did at an IT job. Sure. <laughs> and and I'm, I worked at a really decent company too. And um, yeah, I just put a lot of time and effort into it. It's always, always something that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, what can I do next? And the lockdown's been challenging, i got to say, but surprisingly though, the numbers haven't really wavered, which has been fantastic. So I can't really borrow this, the same amount of stuff I'd, I'd usually borrow to uh, film, but yeah, I've kept it moving and things are, things are going well and hopefully it, yeah, it continues to do so. Yeah, I 
Ryan Wampler, welcome back to the Guitar Speak podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Oh, great to have you back. Now, Brian, I know, my listeners know, you are a world-famous pedal designer, builder, guy. But today, we're talking about a, a related but slightly different passion of yours, which is the Telecaster. Yes, I love my Telecasters. <laughs> we... um. <laughs> I think I posted a picture, maybe on Instagram or something the other day, of just my, of all my Telecasters set out, and I was like, I think I either have a problem, or <laughs> maybe it's not a problem. I guess there's be- there's worse habits to have. It's <laughs> definitely worse. It's a good habit, man. It's a good habit. It's all good. I saw that post. I think I counted eight. Does that sound like <laughs> the right number? That's That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> I reckon that's the right amount of tellies. <laughs> It's it's a good place to start. Now it's not done yet. I'm still no. collecting, collecting and accumulating. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not John Five I, level yet. Right. I'm not John Five level, but I'm. But that's something to strive for. I'm, yes. I'm working towards that. Yeah. He's 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 the guy for us. When did you first become aware of what a Telecaster was? You know, my first Telecaster was actually my first, what I would call my first quote unquote good guitar. Okay. Yep. Um, and what I mean by that is as a kid, I had, uh, there was a company called Series 10 here in the States that I don't know how big they were outside of America. They were, I, I guess, beginner to maybe going to intermediate level. Mm-hmm. Not a great brand, but it was okay. Um, I remember the ads. I, I remember the ads in Guitar Player. We never saw them in Australia, but I did see ads for them. Okay, so you're familiar with it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So it, it was okay. Nothing great. Uh, I, honestly, I would take a Squire off the off the shelf today over that. Um, and nothing. No, not knocking Series Ten necessarily. Just that even the cheapest of cheap guitars are so much better than they were back in the. I 80s. know. I know. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, but my first good guitar was a Mexican no it was a made in Japan 52 reissue telecaster oh nice um and it's if you look if you're looking at that Instagram picture that's on there it is the sunburst one that's got a hip shot bender on it now rocking um yeah so that that was my first one in the mid 90s and um once I once I got that that I bought that actually because I was joining a country band I hadn't played country ever before. Okay. And um, that was just the that that was the gig that I was offered. I thought, oh, I guess. I mean, it's all kind of pentatonic skills, anyways. I figured out. And then I learned that there's a guy named Brent Mason who plays that stuff. <laughs> so I had to <laughs> practice my butt off trying to play it. Um, so, so, but that's really what started it, man, is, is, is getting that country band and uh, buying that Telecaster. And from, from there, I, I bought my first tube amp right along with that Telecaster, which mm-hmm. was a PV Delta Blues. Okay, cool. And cool. Um, yeah, that started, uh, well, it didn't really start my obsession, but that was, that was when, you know, I, I was just, um, I guess I was just out of school and I was you know, had a job and I'm like, all right, now I can start buying some guitar gear. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's an important time. It's man. Right. First yeah. Tape, first so shoe band. Ever awesome. since then, it's been all downhill. I just kept <laughs> buying stuff and then started building stuff. And then yeah. next thing you know, people were buying stuff off me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful circle you got there. <laughs> it is, man. It's, a, it's, um, it's one of those, it's one of those, um, passions that just turned into a business 
kind of accidentally. And uh, so every, every day is kind of like going to, you know, just going to hang out and going to play. That's so good, man. <laughs> Such a good story. And um, yeah, I'll, for people listening today, I, I should let them know, I'll put the link to our interview, which we did a couple of years ago, talking pretty in depth about um, about your career and about Wampler Pedals. So people should definitely check that episode out if they've not heard it yet. Now, tell me about the other seven tellies. Can you give me a quick rundown of uh, what else you've got? Yeah, I um, let, let me look at them real quick because I actually forget. I'll, I'll know I'll skip over one. Okay, so I've got this is a newer one I got at Winter Nam this year in 2020, and it is um, you know I don't know what they call it, but it's got two different humbuckers in it. Okay, and it's it's a it's kind of a blue a bluish looking one if you're looking at the picture, and it's 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 pretty meaty. It's it's a pretty great rock. I would call it more like a rock guitar. It's just it it's just freaking. It's got beef to it uh-huh. like crazy. Nice. Um, and that so that's cool for what it is. I I use it if I'm looking for something that's just a beefier type of sound. I usually use that or uh, or my other what I would call a less polycaster, <laughs> which is made by uh, a Whitfield guitars. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a wine red, two, two humbuckers in it. Of course, it's the scale of a Les Paul. Okay. Um, uh, same, same sort of wood and, and top and everything like you'd have on a Les Paul, but shaped like a telly telly. Um, yeah, I guess the profile is more like a Les Paul, but the headstock itself is like a telecaster and it's, um, you know, honestly, it's like the best Les Paul I've ever played. But technically, it's a Telecaster. Okay. <laughs> um, so those are those are those are my two, you know, just beefy punch in the face type of type of guitars. Um, I have another Whitfield, it's a butterscotch Whitfield that I'm actually actually looking for a new pick guard for this guy. I'm thinking of a of a black a black pick guard with some Paisley on it, just a kind of an honor of Brad Paisley, my one of my guitar heroes. Yeah. Um, so that's my butterscotch one. It's it's, it, I think it's completely stock, with the exception I've I've swapped some pick out pickups up a few times. I think I have Von Scow pickups in it right now. Okay, cool. Uh, he makes some great pickups, by the way. Um, and then we go to a um, this is a Mexican Fender. I bought off of I think they're called Warford Benders now. It used to be I think B and G. Um, sadly the owner passed away and his son runs it now. It still does benders, but I bought the guitar with the, with the G bender in it from him. And, uh, that's, that's where I started kind of learning a lot of G bender type licks, obviously, cause mm-hmm. I, I'd always wanted one, didn't, didn't have one. So my birthday in maybe 2010 or 11, I bought, bought that and, um, love it. It's a great guitar. Nice. Um, and that's that's completely stock except for the bender. And okay. then, of course, my Made in Japan 52 reissue, which has the hip shot in it. Got a Seymour Duncan in the bridge and a Seymour Duncan. I, I don't remember which model, sorry. But I know I got two Seymour Duncans uh, for pickups in it. And um, other than that, it's it's stock. It's It's been beaten up quite a bit and dropped more times than I care to admit. Uh-huh. But, uh, <laughs> but I, it's still... It's still great sounding telly. Um, and then I picked up the year before, so 2019 Nam, I think. I think it was then. I got a 
Friedman Telecaster, um, or I, I guess technically I should say T style, but I I use Telecaster kind of generically like yeah. Kleenex. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Gotcha. Um, and this one has a B bender in it, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's. Um, it's it's super light. It's got a chunky neck. It's kind of like an unfinished neck, which I actually prefer. I don't I don't like a really heavy heavily lacquered neck, and um, it's it's a little bit tone wise. It's a, it's got a little bit more treble to it, and I mean sometimes that's a cool thing. Sometimes I, you I want a little bit beefier, but it definitely does have a unique Telecaster sound that uh, works great for at least for this for the stuff I do, which is really twangy type of type type of uh guitar licks with that guitar mm-hmm. um, especially with it with a b bender it's just it's it's straight up chicken picking can you remind me for the b bender is the bender on the front strap horn or the back one back uh back one the back one and so on the g bender yep. it's on the front um or- on the G no they're both on on the right off the neck plate oh okay now, okay um what if you've got both? Actually, I'm wrong. On, on the G bender from Warford, it's on the 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 horn. That's yeah, well, I guess it would be the front horn. So it's by um, you know the the top the topmost horn, I guess you could say. Right, right, right. So it's and it's right on that with with this bender. Um, it is. This is a Glazer bender, by the way. It's on the neck plate itself. So the the strap actually attaches in a little bit different place but it doesn't feel awkward in any way uh it actually feels really natural so that's they they both kind of work differently they're both two different types of benders both in what string they're bending but also in how they're bending but um but they work great and then i have a valley arts a brit mason model i don't know how many they made they didn't make too many of them but for a while valley arts yeah uh, i think i think they were owned by gibson maybe I think they are they now, made, yeah. They've had a really interesting history, haven't they? Yeah, uh, and they made a Brent Mason model for a while. And um, kind of a funny story with that. He had a prototype that he let me borrow at NAM one year. And I loved it, F- fell in <laughs> love with it, and cried my eyes out when he wanted it back. <laughs> so I, uh, I ended up going on eBay and and just buy, buying one. And um, it's... It's, now it's a weird one. I, I've played Brent's Brent's you know regular gray Telecaster. Yeah. And I would honestly say that sounds more like my '52 than the Valley Arts does. Okay. okay. The Valley the Valley Arts kind of it's it's darker. It's heavy as a mug, and it kind of it kind of reminds me of a cross between kind of a Gibsony sort of thing along with the Telecaster. Okay. So it's cool, but it's that it's not really a. a, a a really traditional Telecaster sound in that. Interesting. So, but it's a, you know, it's a good piece to have. And it's Britt Mason being <laughs> one of my guitar idols. Yeah, I, yeah. I like to keep it around and, and, you know, pull it out every now and then. J- more often than not, though, the, the main Telecaster I use is a Whitfield. It's a, that white one. If you've seen my videos, yeah. I, I play it a yep. big part of the time. That's the one I most and, associate um, with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 probably my favorite i would say and it's again it's real it's got a chunky neck on it that's pretty much unfinished well uh, it looks unfinished it's it's been um you know weathered artificially i guess you could say worn down artificially so a bit of relic relic uh, going on with it 
And um, pickups are stock from Whitfield. It's it's super light, just like my other Whitfields are all super light. And it's just it's just got the best Telecaster tone I've ever heard. I That's mean, just cool. it's ridiculous. Everyone that picks it up. I think I've been I've probably sold him just dozens of guitars because everyone that picks it up is like, oh, my gosh, this is great. (laughs) And it's um, that's that's probably my that's my baby. Okay, that's the one I I uh, I don't like to take it to Nam just because I don't want it to get broken on the airplane or something Mm -hmm. like that. Sure. Yep. So very cool. And that's that's it, I think. Yeah, I think that's the only Telecasters I have. That's that's <laughs> a good start, as you said. Now, um, I think, I mean, you and I, we're we're a certain age. We're mature. We we know it's not wise to say the guitar collection's finished because it never is. Um, what would your next telly be if, with without hmm. any uh, restrictions? If yeah, what what would be what if something came across your path? What would you have to grab well you know i've thought about that I, uh, someone pointed out that i don't have a thin line that's correct i don't have a thin line okay yeah so i need i need a thin line and i also need something with p90s as well i don't have anything with p90s okay so i i would say to, to you know totally up front i would i would buy another whitfield mm-hmm. and um i would i would i would i would i struggle with this part i love the glazer b bender I like I like a G better than a B though, as far as benders go. I just okay. I, I like the kind of licks you can do with it better. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem that I'm so worried about and why I don't have any benders on my Whitfields is I'm I'm so afraid it's going to change the sound of them, sure. and I just yeah. I don't want to take that chance. It's an expensive guitar. It's um, if if you don't know Charles Whitfield, he's <laughs> he's he's not he's not like a what a lot of luthiers do which is, you know, they, they may get a neck from Stumac or, or some company that sells necks and a body and they'll kind of put everything together and they, they paint it and put their own pickups and stuff. This guy actually starts out with chunks of wood and like, like he goes to great lengths to find special chunks of wood Yeah, right. and he, he cuts them and he carves them and everything is completely done by hand. It's just a, it's a whole nother level. Wow. So Every spec that you could possibly want, he can do for you. And um, I sound like I'm an advertisement for Charles Whitfield. The, the only reason I say that is because I, I love him so much, and that would be the next guitar I would buy. Yeah, cool. That's a good that's a good recommendation. You've mentioned Brad Paisley and Brent Mason, and um, apart from being your heroes, you, you ended up collaborating with them to have some uh, Wampler pedals. That must be pretty a pretty cool, again, full circle kind of story for you. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, but and both of them are, are two two odd stories. So with Brent Mason, I uh, I was you know I was telling you about being in a country band. Yes, yep, yep. Had never really played anything like that. This is back in the '90s when country wasn't basically a mixture of of pop and hip hop. Um, so there was actual <laughs> country guitar going on, right? Yeah. And um, so I, I was trying to learn this stuff, and I was just. I was just completely flustered because my uh, my hair metal licks weren't cutting it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I was coming from the world the world of, uh, you, you know, I was into when I was younger. I was like into Rat and of course Van Halen and all sure, that kind of stuff. Yeah, of just course. more hair metal based. And then 
I, you know, I went through my Nirvana and Pearl Jam phase and Soundgarden. I got really into a lot of bands like that. Uh, and still, and I still like those bands, but, um, when I joined that country band, that's when, um, I had to learn these licks and that led me to figuring out it was Brent Mason on a lot of stuff and, mm-hmm. and Dan Huff and a few other guys. But, uh, a big part of the, what I was drawn to was Brent Mason stuff on like Alan Jackson and Brooks and Dunn. And um, I ended up being such a stupid fan, as stupid in meaning uh, not like idiotic, though some could argue that that's true as well. Um, such a, such a, a massive fan that I named my son after Brent Mason. Wow. <laughs> Before knowing Brent Mason. So that's 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 part of it. Yeah. Then when I met Brent and I, I had mentioned that I actually named my son after him, he was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm a bit of a fan. Um, so yeah, that, I mean that that was cool. I, I basically just I made some pedals for him. Found out where he was playing in Nashville. I went down and gave it to him. You know, and he liked them. And that's Beautiful. that's what started that relationship. Nice. With uh, with Paisley, totally different. I don't have a kid named Paisley, though I tried. Yeah, I tried, it's documented. But, um, yes. <laughs> my, my wife shut me down. She Fair said, enough. no more kids named after guitar players. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but with Brad Paisley, I had um, made a made a pedal. No, no, I'm taking that back. I modified a pedal. It's a Boss OD3. And I, it, it, when he was smaller... Um, not in size, but in draw, yes. he was just getting started. I, uh, I went to a, a local place he was playing and in the middle of the concert, they would allow at this venue, they would allow people to walk up to the stage, you know, walk down the center aisle. You could take a picture, then you have to go sit down. Well, I'm in this line where everyone's taking pictures. I get up to the stage and I kind of toss a pedal on like right next to his feet <laughs> he he looks at me like i've got three eyes and you know looks down at the pedal looks over at his tech and kind of motions his head to get it off the stage <laughs> <laughs> so and and that that guitar tech was zach childs i don't know if you know zach childs or not but he's got a youtube channel he works for i think he works for for um true tone used to be visual sound okay yeah, yeah. and um yeah, so that was that. That was Brad Paisley's tech at the time, and and Zach was on a forum called the TDPRI Telecaster Discussion page, and um, I f- I found out who he was on that page and sent him a message and said, Hey, I'm I'm the crazy guy that threw a pedal at Brad <laughs> when you guys were here in Indiana, and and so that kind of started that relationship. That's uh, awesome. You know, just. It got my name in front of him. So now they're like, you know, he's the guy that once threw a pedal at Brad. <laughs> and and it so, worked out, man. It worked out because the Paisley Drive rules. I, I know players and lots of styles who love that pedal. So well done. Well, thank you. That's great. Brian, thank you so much for talking telecasters, teleplayers, teleplayers you've thrown pedals at. It's, it's, a, it's a great telly love affair you've got so that's why i wanted to get you back (laughs) (laughs) well thanks so much i appreciate it all right there you go i hope you enjoyed this episode packed with telecaster love it's been good times my thanks to zane shane and brian 
for joining me today. Please check out our show notes for links to uh, my interviews with with Zane and Brian. Um, Also links to Shane's YouTube channel and some other cool stuff there. Thanks for joining me. My name's Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. I'll catch you next time. Bye now.